Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are now full, who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you who, who woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not even withhold your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise you, O Christ. Y'all may be seeing my children. Oh. So one of the products of the Reformation, that celebration that we, that the thing we uh, talked about last week was the theology that, that we are both simultaneously saint and sinner. Not just saint and sinner, but at the same time, simultaneously saint and sinner. In Latin, it is simul, simul justice et peccator. This was a revolutionary way of thinking about the person. For at the time of Luther, saints were only those who were incredibly holy, who lived lives that seemed to be blameless without sin. Saints are no longer, according to Luther and the other Reformation theologians, are no longer these perfect beings, but rather they are forgiven sinners. We are all called saints, not because we change into something different, but because our relationship with God changes as a result of God's grace. Luther said, the saints are sinners too, but they are forgiven and absolved. All saints have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, but all sinners have a future where they are to be a member of the great saints of the church. While this theology is very liberating, it causes days like All Saints Day to be very difficult for those who have lost loved ones. For one, All Saints Day is a joyous festival where we celebrate the lives of the faithful departed. But for some, the pain of grief causes this day to be very terrifying to come to church. Reliving the pain of that loss while the congregation joyfully sings, For all the saints, can be very hard to bear. While our theology was revolutionary, the practicality of it all makes things somewhat difficult. There is a reason that the Roman church has All Saints Day on November 1st and All Souls Day on November 2nd. 
All Souls Day has a very different worship where, where the church mourns the lives of those who have died. The color for All Saints Day on the, on the old calendar is black. It's more of a requiem, a somber liturgy. A liturgy where the dead are remembered, where candles are lit, and photographs of those who have departed are displayed. Very similar to what we will be doing in a few moments. Nonetheless, people much smarter than me have deemed that we set aside at least one day a year where we remember the faithful departed. And that is what we will do today. And each year the church has appointed different readings to commemorate this blessed day. In the year A, we hear Matthew's version of the Beatitudes. Year B, we have the raising of Lazarus. And this year, we have Luke's version of the Beatitudes. I never understood the reason why we had the Beatitudes two years in a row, though. In reality, it's better to hear about blessings than about the law. These Beatitudes are one of the greatest gifts that God has given to us, that Jesus gave to us. Early on in my ministry, I might have indeed complained about having to preach in the Beatitudes on a day when we should be talking about death and resurrection. I've learned a lot since then. I've learned a lot not to think this way. Instead, I find myself thinking about the blessings of woes that Christ describes and how these blessings and woes describe the lives of the saints who have gone before us. For when we think about the great saints of the church, we do not remember the ones who were rich beyond all imagination, who held on to power against all odds. We do not remember those who, were, who hated and destroyed their enemies at all costs. We remember those who were poor, those who spent their lives hungry, those who have wept, those who are hated, excluded, reviled, and defamed on account of the Son of Man. We remember the blessed apostles, who according to the tradition they set for John, were all martyred for their faith. These men went out into the world and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. We remember also the women of the early church. Mary Magdalene, who was the first evangelist and told the first gathering in the church on Easter Sunday that Jesus had indeed been risen. We also remember Dorcas, Tabitha, Priscilla, Phoebe, Iota, and Sinchi. They're all mentioned, all women mentioned in the letters of Paul and in the books of Acts. They are humble, holy women who were determined to preach the good news just like their male co-workers in the gospel. We also remember more modern-day saints, such as St. Nicholas of Myra, Francis of Assisi, Martin Luther, Catherine von Bora, Philip Melanchthon, William Tyndale, Soren Kierkegaard, Isaac Watts, Henry Muhlenberg, Francis Nightingale, Martin Luther King Jr., just to name a few. None of these individuals sought power. None of these individuals sought worldly success. These individuals are remembered because they sought out a better life for the poor, the hungry, the crying, the hated and the ostracized. They heeded Jesus' words and sought to bring God's blessing to those who the world deemed unworthy of God's love. Often we think of someone being blessed, we think that good things have happened to them. We call new parents blessed because they have a new child to care for in their lives. We call rich and successful people blessed because of their vast fortune. But blessings according to the Bible is not a status that any of us would want for our children. I do not want Thomas to grow up where he is hated, villainized, where he's hungry or poor. I want Thomas to grow up and face none of these things. Yet the Bible says that those who are poor, 
those who are hungry, those who are crying, those who are hated, and those who are ostracized are the blessed ones. They are blessed by God. And people have taken this passage from Scripture to justify keeping people hungry, keeping people weeping, to keep people hated and ostracized. And that is not what Jesus is saying. In fact, our Lord says, Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full now. Woe to you who are laughing now. Woe to you when all speak well of you. In this context, woe functions as a sharp contrast to blessing. Yet the Greek word we translate as woe does not mean cursed or unhappy. It certainly doesn't mean to be damned. Like the word English, like the English word yikes. It's more of an attention grabber an emotion setter than a clear characterization or pronouncement. Jesus therefore promises relief to some people and to those people who travel rough roads through life, to others, who, to folks who find their existence rather enjoyable or easy. Our Lord cries out, look out, watch out. Yikes. Jesus seeks to bring satisfaction and belonging to those who suffer from poverty, which includes more than people who lack money, but also the powerless and the disenfranchised. His ministry feeds the hungry and lays a foundation for hospitality and meal sharing that are hallmarks to the Christian community that he creates. The people who cry out, who cry, who live in perpetual loss and grief, who seem to have lost all hope, will not be forgotten but will experience joy. Exclusion and persecution proved to be no match for those who share in Jesus' prophetic, liberated ministry. And we, the church, are called to continue in this prophetic, liberated ministry. And today we remember those individuals who sought to do this holy work during their life here on earth. The blessing and woe statements signal something for people to experience in the present. When we do what our Lord is calling us to do, when we seek to bring God's blessings to the poor, the hungry, the crying, the hated, and the ostracized, we bring God's coming reality to this reality, to this time and place. And the blessed saints should be remembered for their holy work of doing this. The saints are blessed because they were blessing to the last, the lost, the least, the little, and the lifeless. We are called blessed when we are a blessing to the same group of people. And we hear Christ's words of caution when we are not a blessing. When we are a hindrance to God's people. To receiving God's, receiving God's grace and mercy. God cautions us. Our God has made a commitment to the poor. And in this sermon that Christ is describing in Luke. He is describing the ways of living that conform to God's commitment to see the poor and unprivileged raised up. The communion of saints, that intimate unity we share through Christ with each other, including those who have finished their race, creates a community of a new social reality. Jesus' sermon describes a community as odd. It values do not match up with the world's experience. Jesus calls the church to more than acting differently or to see the world differently. He calls each of us to a new existence in which God's generosity benefits the downtrodden. That generosity creates culture formed and sustained by the mercy of God. And woe to those who are missing opportunities to experience tangibly the giving and receiving of that mercy. Rich, carefree, and respectable people can share immediately in this new existence God has instituted.
but only to the degree in which they participate in Christ's calling to enter into true solidarity with those who find themselves destitute, underfed, moreful, and vilified. This way of living is not easy. It is hard, it is terrifying, but it is not impossible. It has been done by those who we remember today. It was lived out by people like Ella, Rosalie, Gaylord, Wayne, Jim, Chris, Rosalie, Bill, Rosalie. It was lived out by those who have written, who we have written on this board over the past few years, and those whose names are only known to God. These people were not perfect in their way of living, but they were faithful. And God took their faithfulness and sanctified it and made them saints. May we look to the blessed saints who now rest in their labors. May we seek to live as they lived. Sinners who sought God's forgiveness. May we look to their example, but more importantly, look to Jesus Christ. And seek to emulate his example of holy living. So that we might bring the kingdom of God to people. Who do not even realize that they are blessed by God. Thank <laughs> you.